Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am very excited to welcome to the show today ESPN Seahawks reporter for NFL Nation, Brady Henderson. Brady, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's, it's good to see you again. I think the last time was uh, the Super Bowl down in Los Angeles. So good to see you. Again. I think you're right. I think that has been, so it's been quite some time. So it's good to see you as well. Uh, well, we have a week two matchup for the ages. I mean, I'm being very dramatic, but your, uh, your team that you cover, the upstart Seattle Seahawks is what I'm going to call them in this new Geno Smith era are coming off a big Monday night football win over Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Before we get into this week, can you just talk a little bit about that and what the atmosphere was like at Lumen Field and how surprised were you with that the Seahawks pulled off the win? Um, I did not think that they were going to win just because I, you know, just because of the quarterback disparity and Russell Wilson, you know, I figured that he would beat Geno Smith. I think the teams are, I think the Seahawks roster is better than a lot of people give it credit for. Um, mm-hmm. but I just figured that Russell Wilson would beat his former backup, Geno Smith in terms of the atmosphere. You know, I've covered a lot of games in that stadium that have been very energetic and very raucous. And that was up there. I mean, it felt like a, a playoff game and with all the buildup there was with Russell Wilson's return Monday night football, um, flyover at, at the start of the game. And it was just from start to finish really from like t- two hours before kickoff, uh, to finish. It was as loud as I can remember it, um, you know, the press box, when it gets very loud there, it tends to shake and it feels like an earthquake. And mm-hmm. that may happen one time a game, like maybe one game or two games per season. Um, and it probably happened four or five times in that game. Wow. It's just so loud, so energetic, and uh, really probably the most memorable regular season game uh, that I've covered there. Wow, that's amazing. That must have been quite an experience. So you mentioned Geno Smith and you mentioned the Seahawks roster and I want to get to both. So we'll start with Geno Smith. I mean, he was a surprise. Is is this for real? Is this is there a chance that he actually continues to play like this and becomes kind of the surprise of the season or was this just kind of a week one overreaction so to speak I mean he really he really looked good and I you know the popular thought on him and I've kind of had this thought is that he's going to be at best a game manager and he's going to be really fighting to to keep hold of that job you know that he when he won that quarterback competition over Drew Locke it really wasn't because he blew everybody away with this stellar and mistake-free play um, in training camp, it was it was really neither one of those guys distinguished himself from the other, at least obviously to somebody like me who's just watching. Um, and you know, a big part of that too was that Drew Locke missed time in uh, mm-hmm. in training camp. He missed a start um, because of COVID, and I think the competition was already sort of skewed in in Geno Smith's favor. And so it kind of felt to me like he really won that competition by default. Um, and it really, because of that, it felt to me and has felt to me like that competition is unofficially carrying into the regular season. And that, you know, Pete Carroll deciding to go with Geno Smith was really him deciding to go with Geno Smith to begin with, and then they'll see. And so, um, but that said, I mean, Geno Smith was tremendous. And if he plays like that for the rest of the season, then Drew Locke is not seeing the field and, and, you know, unless Geno Smith gets injured, of course, but, um, 
I think it remains to be seen if he can do that. I, I think the the big question mark that I have is can he make a play with a game on the line? And, you know, mm-hmm. can he, you know, in his three starts last season and really in, in the game that he also didn't start, but when he replaced Russell Wilson, uh, when Wilson went hurt in October of last season, that was kind of his issue is that he played well enough to keep them in all those games. Uh, but in, in the three games of those four that they lost, um, he just couldn't make a play at the end and he couldn't do what Russell Wilson has done so well over his career, which was engineer a game winning drive. And so, um, he didn't really have to do that in this game on Monday night, just cause they were leading. Uh, but that offense kind of faltered in the second half and, and, you know, they didn't score a single point. I think they, I can't remember the yardage total, but they really did not get much going in the second half. So I, it remains to be seen if Geno Smith can really pull a victory out at the end, but he was, he was tremendous in that game. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live embedding, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. It is funny in the NFL because had the Broncos maybe managed the end, not maybe, had the Broncos definitely managed the end there a little bit better and not ended up having to go for a 64-yard field goal, the conversation is just entirely different all the way around. And that is what's kind of funny about this game because it wouldn't have changed how Geno Smith played in the game, but that certainly wouldn't be the conversation. Right. You're exactly right. The conversation would be what the heck happened to their offense in the second half. And the conversation would be that, you know, they only managed 17 points, which, you know, week in and week out more often than not, that's not going to be enough. You just can't expect your defense to hold another team to 16 points. So um, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, for as good as Geno Smith played, it's, at least in the first half, yeah, the Broncos really did the Seahawks a lot of favors in that game <laughs> between, I think it was 12 penalties. Um, a lot of times I went back and, and rewatched the game and it's really struck me how many times they either didn't get the snap off or got it off with like a second left on the play clock. So there was just some, some really questionable, you know, clock management there and, and just the procedure procedural stuff did not seem to be firing. Um, you know, they dropped some passes and, and of course the very uh, questionable, which is putting it nicely uh, decision to kick that field goal at the end there. I mean, we, like you said, we easily could be having a much different conversation right now. So looking now at week two, we have the one and O Seattle Seahawks versus the Owen one San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are coming off a game where they committed 12 penalties. They had a very ugly loss. I don't want to shock you, but 49ers Twitter is just up in a tizzy and perhaps overreacting slightly to the for the first weekend of the season. But this becomes a matchup that's interesting because, as Kevin Clark has said, the Seahawks can't seem to ever play in a normal game. And when it comes to 49ers and Seahawks, there's never a normal game. It doesn't really matter whose roster is better and who should win the game. It does. Something strange always happens. Uh, even in that 2019 game where the 49ers were by far the better team and they barely won it in the end. So... We have an interesting game on Sunday. It's supposed to rain. 
Uh, the 49ers are coming off a pretty bad rain game in Chicago. It's now 84% chance of rain in Santa Clara. I don't really think that affects the Seahawks as much because that is a team that's you know very used to the rain. But you mentioned earlier that the Seahawks roster is better than a lot of people think. Uh, there's obviously the loss of Jamal Adams, which we should talk about. But what on this roster do you think is a surprise? And what do you think 40, the 49ers really have to keep an eye out for? I would say a surprise just to people who are used to seeing this unit uh, be, you know, average and, and really get a lot of scrutiny is their offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess the surprising part about it is they're starting two rookie tackles and um, a stat that I, I keep telling everybody that'll listen to me just because I think it's so fascinating, but they are, you know, they started a rookie left tackle in, in Charles Cross, who was the ninth overall pick, started a rookie right tackle in Abe Lucas, who's their third round pick. And when they did that on Monday night, they became only the third team since 1970 to start wow. uh, rookie tackles, a pair of rookie tackles in week one. So it had only happened two other times in the last 50 plus years. Um, but that, I mean, they look like they have the potential to be really solid bookends for them for the next uh, decade. And, you know, the offensive line, there was a couple sacks in the second half, but that seemed like that was partly on Gino and, and not doing enough, not doing a good enough job of stepping up in the pocket and uh, kind of helping his tackles out. So um, for all of the, you know, long held narrative about how the Seahawks uh, are a terrible pass protecting team, some of which was fair, some of which was a little overblown, I think. Um, I think they've got a chance to have a really good offensive line this season. That's that could surprise people who are watching it. Which is funny because that was all Russell Wilson yeah. wanted was them to bolster the offensive line and he he's gone and they do it. Oh, so, there you go. Which yep. is kind of funny though. I guess when Russell Wilson is your quarterback, you have a little more flexibility there just because of his elusiveness and mobility. So I don't know how much you watched of the game on Sunday uh, against the bears, but it was, like I said, it was a pretty ugly game. As I said, the four Niners committed 12 penalties. Ironically, we were talking about the 2019 game, Dre Greenlaw, who may very well be the reason they won on Sunday in a less important game, but we'll see how much it matters in January. Could have in some ways been the reason they lost. There were two pretty bad penalties there that kept drives alive for the Bears. When you look at this 49ers offense under Trey Lance, what do you challenges do you think it proposes for a, a Seahawks defense that will now, though, be without Jamal Adams, and I understand the offense for Niners was not particularly prolific the other day, but as you see the potential in going forward into week two. Uh, yeah, I think if you ask them, it, it, they, it would say it's just the complexity of the running game and all the different ways that they can attack you there. And, and now a new way with the quarterback, you know, which gives them mm-hmm. an added dimension that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo just didn't have with his legs. And so, um, you know, I think Pete Carroll has said that, that, their running game presents as big of a challenge to them as any run game in the NFL. So um, I know Elijah Mitchell is hurt. And so mm-hmm. they're going to be facing, I think a different running back uh, than maybe yes. what they're used to or what they expected to going into this season. But that is, that's gotta be the biggest thing. Um, you know, probably more so than, than Trey Lance beating them with his arm is that run game, which includes Trey Lance possibly beating him with uh, beating them with his legs. So Jeff Wilson will be in there as RB1. You'll have rookies Ty Davis-Price and Jordan Mason behind them who are behind him that Kyle Shanahan said they're going to have to grow up really fast. It's kind of an interesting situation because last season in week one, 49ers lose Raheem Mostert early in the game. They lose him for the season. Elijah Mitchell comes in and really steps up. I don't know that Jordan Mason and Ty Davis-Price have that ability just yet, but I think for the 49ers, you're going to see a lot of Debo Samuel 
in that role. And you, we saw it a lot on Sunday just because Jeff Wilson is is a great running back and no disrespect for him to him, but he's not Elijah Mitchell. And the guys behind him are not, the speed goes down dramatically when you go from Elijah Mitchell to Jeff Wilson and, and then beyond. So I think you're going to see a lot of Debo Samuel in that role. And you talked about the offensive line of the Seahawks. A big Achilles heel for San Francisco is the interior of their offensive line. And I think every member of that offensive line can play better this week than they played that last Sunday, including Trent Williams. So don't tell him I said that because he's really big, but um, <laughs> including, <laughs> including Trent Williams, I think every member of that offensive line can play better. But it's going to be kind of an interesting game for San Francisco because with each week, I think the most important thing 49ers fans should be looking at is is Trey Lance improving from week to week. You know, we're not going to know who he is at the end of the season. We're certainly not going to know who he is in week one and week two. And week one was his third start ever. But is he improving from week to week? We have another potential rain game. And I think that does become you know, an important factor for this 49ers offense. How much will the loss of Jamal Adams help them out? Yeah, that's a big loss for Seattle. And I know a lot of people are probably skeptical of of maybe how big it is just because they saw that he had the pretty underwhelming season last year. And, and it was underwhelming. He went from nine and a half sacks in 12 games in 2020, made a Pro Bowl, got the big contract extension um, that next offseason. He went from that to zero sacks in 12 games, mm-hmm. um, had a couple interceptions, but also some kind of iffy coverage plays. And, you know, the thing that I have consistently heard or, you know, that I heard all off season um, was that the Seahawks felt like he was really in a position to have a bounce back season. And a big reason for that was um, their new defense with it's mm-hmm. more of an emphasis on split safety looks. It's kind of that, you know, Vic Fangio influence that's really um, kind of taken the NFL by storm. You see a lot of teams moving towards that. And one of the benefits of that is, it makes it harder for quarterbacks to figure out, okay, which guy is the strong safety, which guy is the free safety, which mm-hmm. guy is going to be here in the flat, which guy is going to be playing deep in the post. Um, and it just makes it, they're more interchangeable and it makes it harder for offenses to know what they're doing and what's coming. And the thought that I heard in the building was that a big reason why Adams didn't have a sack last season is because a, there was so much more attention paid to him uh, after that record sack season he had in 2020 and they just weren't creative enough in trying to combat that and trying to put him in advantageous blitzing situations uh, with all that extra attention he was getting and so th- the idea was that this new defense was was really going to fix that problem and you know on the play that he got hurt you saw him he had a clean look at the quarterback he blitzed and he, he was free there um, and he almost brought Russell Wilson down and then as he kind of his body got twisted his knee landed hard and I don't know if it got caught up in the turf or whatever, but um, it sounds like a very serious injury. It's has not been confirmed that he's going to miss the season uh, or that he's going to need surgery, but that's really what it sounds like. And so um, it's going to be a big loss. They've got some nice safety depth in Josh Jones and and Ryan Neal and Neal, in fact, uh, played pretty well uh, a couple years ago when Adams missed four games with a groin injury. It does sound like it's going to be Josh Jones who is going to start for him at least um, in the meantime. And he was one of their camp standouts. So they've got some pretty good depth there, but neither of those guys are capable of doing what Jamal Adams is capable of doing. Yeah, it's a big loss for Seattle. And you really just hate to see that for for anybody, especially in week one. So it's really, that's unfortunate. Hopefully it won't be this season, but it certainly doesn't sound great 
On the 49ers side of the defense, this is the this group has the potential to maybe be the best defense they've seen in a long I mean they've and they've had such top defenses, but I think this defense is even better than the 2019 defense if they cannot make really bad penalties that extend drives for the opposite team. But you have uh, Mooney Ward, who just for you, Brady, and any Seahawks fans, Charvarius Ward's name, his nickname is Mooney, and he likes to go by Mooney. Got it. So if you hear people say Mooney Ward, it is Charvarius Ward. So just okay. FYI, Good which enough. is helpful for the 49ers because they also have Tarvarius Moore and Jimmy Ward. So it's just, you know, it's, it's helpful to have, these, to have these nicknames. But you have him back there. It's a, a, They spent a lot of money on him. It's not something they've done at the cornerback position in several, several years. So they do have a true shutdown corner. Emmanuel Mosley on the other side, they have a rookie at nickel. They're without Jimmy Ward for a few more games. So, but that front seven and Nick Bosa, of course, is, you know, absolutely fantastic. So for Geno Smith, what challenges will that present for him? And how do you think he'll respond? Well, I I think the interesting thing there is that, you know, for years, the, the Seahawks passing game was their wide receivers. And, you know, they've, they've had really good running backs who can catch the ball. They've had some productive tight ends. Um, but really they have not thrown the ball relative to other teams. They have not thrown the ball as much to their running backs and their tight ends. And mm-hmm. it's been more about the perimeter guys and, you know, the slot guys as well, but it, it's been really more of a receiver heavy passing game. Um, and I think that that is one thing that's going to change um, under, under their new quarterback. And and I really think that I, I don't really, I still can't put my finger on why they haven't had as good of a screen game as they've had, because they've had really good running backs who can catch the ball mm-hmm. um, with the tight ends. I do think that a big part of that is the quarterback. And, you know, I've, I've looked at some of the metrics on like the passing plots. And um, I think a big reason why Russell Wilson, again, it's not like he completely ignored tight ends, but relative to other quarterbacks, um, if you look at his numbers, the, they were not using, they were not throwing the ball to tight ends as much as other teams. And if you look at the passing plot, the middle of the field, like the short middle area of the field was sort of a dead zone for them. And that's of course where tight ends do a lot of their work. And so um, I think the theory is that, you know, that was sort of a, a, a bit of a blind spot for him as a shorter quarterback. It's easier for him to see, you know, the, the, the flat and to see the deeper part of the field than it is mm-hmm. that short middle part of the field where he's got to see over those offensive linemen who are that you know so much taller than him. So that is one reason why there's been this belief uh, within the Seahawks that their tight ends are going to be a bigger part of their offense this season. And you very much saw that on Monday night. I think it was a combined, what was it, nine catches between uh, Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, and Noah Fant. Um, that was both of their touchdown, pa- both of Geno Smith's touchdown passes were to the tight end. So um, I could see that being you know, uh, on Sunday and for the rest of the season as well, being uh, a big part of their passing game. Am I crazy to think that there is a high likelihood the Seahawks win this game? Um, You're not crazy. No, just because. I mean, maybe not for that reason, at least. <laughs> yeah, no, just because, I mean, it's, you know, I look, nothing the Seahawks ever really do surprises me. I, I've been covering them long enough to know that like, in the NFL in general, and with this team, especially, you can just never say never. And um, I, like I said, at the beginning of the show, I did not think that they were going to win that game. Um, I am surprised though, Tracy, that the line is as big as it is. What is it like 10 points mm-hmm. um, in favor of the 49ers? You know, the, the, that surprises me for a couple reasons. One, the Seahawks have really had the 49ers number over the last few mm-hmm. years. Um, I guess the counter to that is that, 
yeah, they also had Russell Wilson for all of that time. And that was obviously a big, big part of that. Uh, the short week too probably plays into that. And, and I imagine mm-hmm. too, that, you know, maybe Vegas is kind of taking into account the possible difficulty of just sort of coming down from the, all the emotions of Monday night and then yeah. trying to get back up, um, especially mm-hmm. on a short week. So, um, it's, yeah, it's probably all of that, but that's said 10 points. That's, that's a very big spread. It is a big spread. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I think there's a high likelihood, but I, I don't think it is out of the realm of, of possibility. And I think it will end up being a close game. We all, we mentioned the Elijah Mitchell inju- injury uh, at the moment, the 49ers have two other injuries to watch George Kittle and Daniel Brunskill did not practice on Wednesday at the time we're recording this. We don't know yet if they're going to practice on Thursday, but the loss of George Kittle becomes big in all the ways because he's George Kittle. But of course it's a big deal in the passing game and it's a big deal in the run game because he's such an important blocker. So that be- and with the already shaky interior of the offensive line, that becomes really, really important for San Francisco. They also have Daniel Brunskill with a hamstring injury who, I, as I mentioned, so he potentially is not playing on Sunday. So if you have those guys out, it will be, I think, tougher. And I don't think you can discount both of those injuries, especially then you add in Elijah Mitchell and all of a sudden in week two, the 49ers find themselves without a number of key players on offense. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. How much do you think the rain does factor in? I think it's certainly factored in the other day, but my counterpoint to that always is both teams are playing in the rain. So when people say, well, and then the monsoon hit and then it was raining and then it got hard, well, the other team had to play in the rain too. So, you know, that's, that becomes a tough one, but how much of a factor do you think that actually makes? Um, I mean, I think it could, it will certainly impact the game, but I don't know if it'll be as big of an advantage for one team or the, over the other, as it would be, you know, if this was San Francisco playing, um, you know, a very run or a very pass heavy team or the Seahawks playing Mm -hmm. a very pass heavy team, just because I just generally think that rainy conditions, sloppy conditions favor the team that is better at running the ball just because you really, it's hard to throw the ball uh, in those Mm -hmm. conditions. But you know, we, both of these teams kind of want to win the same way, which is not really relying on their quarterback to throw 40 times a game and and relying more on their running game. So, um, and you know, both of those running games are, are not going to be at full or at least the 49ers isn't going to be at full strength. I think the Seahawks, um, maybe it does benefit them just because their backfield is, Sounds like it's got a chance to be at full strength. Um, Rashad Penny is, is healthy. He's their starter, and they've also got uh, their rookie second-round pick. Sorry, my computer is making a ton of noises right now. Uh, their rookie oh, second-round pick, uh, Ken Walker. He did not play in the opener because he had a hernia procedure about a month ago, but sounds like he's got a chance to play on Sunday. He, was, uh, he practiced on Wednesday as a full participant, really, for the first time since he had that procedure. So they, they, their backfield could be at full strength and in conditions like that, um, that, that could be more important than, than ever. I do have a fun fact for anybody listening who say, cause people have said this, that the foreigners abandoned the run game in the second half. And that's why they lost. They ran the ball 37 times total, 18 times in the first half and 19 times in the second half. So they certainly did not abandon the run game. It's just without Elijah Mitchell, it, was much less effective. So it will be interesting to see on Sunday if they are able to rectify that. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan always says if they win the game, if they are able to run the ball more than 30 times a game, they do have a high chance of winning. It just did not work out the other day. So 
we will see how this plays out. These games are always so entertaining and so weird and something bizarre always happens in them. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'll do it too. Do you want to give me a game prediction and a score prediction? I'll do it too, even though, even though my score predictions are always terrible. Sure. Um, I, I In terms of exact score, so I think the 49ers are going to win, but I don't think it's going to be by 10 points. I just, mm-hmm. uh, that seems high to me. So I will say um, 21 to 17. Okay. 49ers. And I'm going to say, I'm going to actually pick the 49ers to win. And I was going to go 20 to 17. Okay. So we're, we're both pretty close. Mm-hmm. We are very close there. Now, real quick aside, it's Friday. And on the show on Friday, we normally do Cody Corner because Cody Bellinger is my guy. So I just want to do a little quick little Cody Corner and just Dodgers quarter. The, the uh, Dodgers are NLS champions, you guys. And I'm very excited about it. Uh, Brady, 49ers fans hate that I talk about the Dodgers, <laughs> but it's just kind of I am who I am. So this is my little ode. They are NLS champs. You should prepare your, yourselves, guys, in October. We're going to be doing a lot of Dodgers on this. Cody Bellinger has had a much better week than he's had in a very long time. So I want to acknowledge that. And that's all I'll say for now. See you guys. That wasn't that painful after all. Are you a baseball fan, Brady? Uh, I'm not. I used to be a, a diehard Mariners fan. And then, okay. you know, 20 seasons of ineptitude and uh, really poor management and uh, all that really kind of turned me off. So I'm kind of like that guy uh, in uh, Major League, that fan who's just oh, totally cynical. And it, it, it's going to take a deep playoff run to get me back. All right. Well, that's fine. Maybe they'll be able to do that for you sometime. Uh, Brady, thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome. Yeah, you bet, Tracy. That was fun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. If you guys like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. We are brought to you by Fivo. And with that, I'll talk to you guys next week when the 49ers are either 0-2 and, and you're losing their your minds or they're 1-1 one and, one and you think they're going to the Super Bowl. Bye, all Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.